Eastern District Court for the Village and Shire of Alconvania is now in order. The Honorable Reeve Alvin Vulcanizer presides. Okay, Dennis, give me their licenses, ID, toll tickets, report cards, notes from the teacher. There you go, Judge. Who's Christopher Lawrence Thorne? That's me, Your Honor. Thorne Financial Publishing, Water Street, New York. Okay. Banker? No, no, no banker, no. Financial Publishing. Thorne's Weekly. Okay, banker. Oh, here. Well, look at this. Passports. I will have you know that my brother, Fausto, and I enjoy diplomatic immunity in this country. Okay, well, uh, and you are the Fausto and Rinalda Squeery... Squeery... She's... She's... She's we. She's we? Friends of the bride. Yeah, that's right. We all want to get married. No, sir. No wedding, moving violation, failure to stop. Let's just be quiet and let him do his little thing and we'll be on our way. Oh, I will let you be on your way. And well, when you go, the cat's eyes will spin! Now listen! Okay, we'll listen. Hey, hey, ho, ha, ho! <laughs> hula, 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 the bula, bula, bula! Look who's got the front seats of the Mexican hat dance now! Just like a bunch of spiders in a birthday cake. You know, there's nothing better at the end of a long day on the road than a nice warm glass of Hawaiian punch. Oh, uh, yeah. Welcome, friends and pool sceners for the uninitiated. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. We're in the midst of season nine, but not too late to go catch up on our back catalog anywhere you find podcasts so that you can join us for our episode 100 special next week. Can't believe we've made it, buddy. I am Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. And I'm healthy and I'm not sick with the stomach flu. It's good to be back. Now, some people love this week's movie, but some, such as Lou Cedrone, writing for the Baltimore Sun, said, If there's a laugh here, it goes unnoticed. Oh, fuck you, Lou. This week's film is 1991, black comedy horror movie, Nothing But Trouble, directed by We Are The World alumni, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. The best member of the We Are The World, the alumni. Aykroyd also penned the screenplay from a story by his brother, Peter Aykroyd. The history behind the screenplay is that the brothers, the brothers Aykroyd, I should say, went to see a movie with producer Robert K. Weiss, who had a broken rib at the time. I don't know how he broke his rib, but he had a broken rib. Weiss didn't want to see a comedy because he didn't want to laugh. It would hurt his ribs. And okay. I had a broken rib last year. It yep. was terrible. So Weiss didn't want to see a comedy. So they saw Hellraiser and sure enough, there were people laughing. Oh, crod. Really? Crod? Crod. <laughs> oh, crod. Crod, son of Zod, uh, knows God. A light bulb went off for the trio that people wanted to laugh and be scared at the same time. Their idea centered around a real-life event where Dan Aykroyd was pulled over for speeding in a small town and had to attend what he called kangaroo court in the middle of the night, which led to having tea with the Justice of the Peace for four hours. Aykroyd imagined it as a monster movie or sort of like Beetlejuice meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Here's the thing about this movie. There wasn't one point in it that I felt that this was supposed to be scary or a horror movie. I did. Did you? Yeah. I didn't sense it at all. I did. I'm more scared of this than most horror movies. <laughs> Production started in 1990 with the title Git. What? Spelled G-I-T. Git. 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 You're done. I have a fuzzy timeline about the name changes, but the name was also changed to Trick House. That's a whole different movie. Which Trick House, I could see when they're trying, we'll talk about it later, but when they're going in and out all the hallways and secret rooms and yeah. stuff, and like the walls are closing in on them. Say Rube Goldberg. I could see where they call that Trick House. And then Road to Ruin at some point. All right. And then to Vulcanvania. Finally, in December 1990, Warner Brothers changed the title to nothing but trouble and there's a reason it was changed to nothing but trouble i think they based a lot of the comedy off of like laurel and hardy in those old movies and nothing but trouble was like an unused title from those movies all right so it was in the vault already yes so Aykroyd did not want to direct but no one else wanted to do it bad sign the film was delayed to be recut to remove extreme violence okay well, 
I hereby find all parties culpable in these matters as charged, and so choose to invade the maximum levy for these violations, and do therefore deem that you be conveyed to a holy, oh, awful place of execution, wherein you shall be put to death. In order to obtain a PG-13 rating. Extreme violence? You mean bone stripper? There was extreme violence in this. I'm guessing they you got to see what happened in bone stripper? That would have been awesome. But I'm not sure. But they, they cut out extreme violence. And it was originally intended to be a Christmas release, but its spot was given to Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh, one of our favorites that we covered. So, so Warner Brothers were trudging through two colossal shitstorms simultaneously <laughs> because both had huge budget problems. Yes. And both had very difficult actors. Chevy Chase, Bruce Willis. Mm -hmm. So Bonfire of the Vanities made $15 million against a $47 million budget. Jim, tell us if Warner Brothers delaying nothing but trouble paid off by giving us budget versus box office and number ones and news at time of release. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. So on the... 15th day of February in the year of our Lord, 1991, nothing but trouble kind of had its bonfire. The vanities moment with a $40 million budget and it made $8.4 million wow. at the box office. So Th this movie went $5 million over budget and I'm not, I'm not kidding. Literally lots of that 5 million that they went over was toasters and broken down cars set design set outside dressing. the Vulcanheiser mansion. Oh, and no cussing. Shit. Look at all these toasters. There is a negativity about this place. <laughs> Priorities, man. That's ridiculous. Because, and it's like one shot. Yeah. There's it's like a massive shot scrap when yard. they're following Dennis into the scrapyard. Yeah. And you just see toasters, nothing but toasters everywhere. Jeez. That's where a lot of that $5 million went with set dressing. Priorities, buddy. Priorities. But one place this movie kind of saw success was at Blockbuster Video. And here are your top three rentals for the week. Blockbuster Video. Wow. What a difference. Kevin, we covered one of them. Days of Thunder. Dark Man. Oh. Which is a very underrated movie. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Excellent. And then another movie I haven't seen in forever, which is very underrated. Flatliners. Great movie. Kiefer Sutherland, such an interesting, yeah. you know, make yourself die and try to bring yourself uh -huh. back. It's very interesting. Also, that's hot. Very hot. When you're at Blockbuster and you have a weekend, listen, school all week, you want to hit the new video games. Here's your top three video games for the week. Sonic the Hedgehog Part 1, Super Mario World, which God, what to talk about a juggernaut and F-Zero. Wow. So fuck yeah, wow. man. Major heavy Hell hitters. Yeah. Into the news, Kevin, one of the men on the Lifeguard Hall of Fame here in Studio 536, Alex Trebek becomes the first person to host three American game shows at the same time. Can you name all three? Jeopardy, Classic Concentration, and To Tell the Truth. All at the same time, Alex Trebek was on three different networks. So yeah. not like literally at the same time. Not same he wasn't time. like turning to one camera, <laughs> no. asking a Jeopardy answer and then turning and it's not Rick Rude on Raw and Nitro yeah, on the same, same night. Bush 41, former president of the United States, gives Iraq a 24 hour deadline to withdraw from Kuwait or face a ground war. Guess what? They didn't withdraw. Desert Storm happens. Kevin's got the Schwartz. I was going to say it's a card to prove it. Thanks to Desert Storm. <laughs> I have a, a card collection. All right. George was Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. Kevin, the quite scholarly, smart, who am I kidding? The dumbasses of the Baseball Hall of Fame Board of Directors vote 12-0 to bar Pete Rose through his betting on games. Bar him from baseball. Put the hit king back. And why are we still having this debate? No, it's so stupid. It's been 30 years. Baseball just cannot stop shooting itself in the foot. Baseball sucks. It, it really does. does. It, it's horrible. Somebody should just literally start Modern Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, like the first class of the Modern Baseball Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, Mark so McGuire, Sosa. Sammy Sosa. If it was if it wasn't for McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds, this sport would have been dead. I think it would Long have. gone. 
dead. Like, what happened? Because it's the higher well, ups that were kissing their ass and, for this. And ba- baseball's so bad for so many reasons. They will not embrace the youth. Did you see the guy a couple nights ago? I don't know what stadium was that. I don't even know what teams it was. He did like a check swing and hit a home run because it's juiced ball era. Jesus. They're trying to bring fans back through juiced baseball yeah. and atmosphere rather than like steroids because they're still strictly harsh about, you know, yeah. performance enhancing drugs. This guy like literally check swing home run, home run. It's like juice ball or out of control. It's no challenge anymore. Kevin, one of your beloved favorite teams, Troy State, sets an NCAA Division II record with 103 points in the second half routing DeVry Institute, 187 to 117. DeVry had a basketball team? DeVry had a basketball team, and he gave up 103 points in the second half of the game. Wow. So DeVry, I think that was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back when it came to the legacy of DeVry Institute basketball. Edmonton Oiler goalie Grant Fuhrer returns to the NHL after a season-long suspension for substance abuse and shuts out the New Jersey Devils for nothing. Talk about a big, hey, I'm back, motherfuckers. Remember, I got my face cut with a blade? Yeah. Ah, I'm the man. Best hockey starting lineup figure by far is the Grand Fear goalie figure. Kevin, we've mentioned her briefly. Figure skating championships, 1991, one by one, Tanya Harding. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Got lead. Number one movie in America is a very underrated Julia Roberts movie, Sleeping with Ooh. the Enemy. Good one. Very good one. Funniest thing about this, though, that's so funny, but it broke the Aliens record. $10 million for highest weekend debut for a film featuring a female protagonist. And the number one song in America, CNC Music Factory. Wow. Oh, yeah, man. It's interesting that that went to number one. Gonna Make You Sweat was number one, and that's all that was going on, Kevin. 215.91. So I think this movie would have been better received if they had kept the R rating and leaned into the stuff they cut. Yeah, why the hell not, man? Because this movie found itself in limbo because it was too much for kids. Like, you weren't going to bring kids to see this movie. No. But then not a horror movie. Super weird. thing is, I wouldn't know how you could easily explain this movie to a person that has no idea about it about it no there's no way you can't even because explain it's... it to me yeah and i've seen it a bunch exactly of times. well that's a perfect transition because i'm gonna try and explain it to you let's get trapped into the plot our story begins with a party in a manhattan penthouse a party the financial publisher chris thorne doesn't even know that he's throwing at his party he meets a lawyer named diane lightson listen some people are throwing a party up in my apartment why don't you come up for a drink it'll help you relax <laughs> Oh, that son of a bitch! I don't believe this, that bastard! I can't believe this! I'll be in the penthouse if you change your mind. Thanks for the espresso maker. The bag of shit. You know, the famous Lightson family. Who thought of that last name? Because it's horrible to pronounce it. Diane Lightson. She needs to go to Atlantic City in a bad way to meet with what Chris believes to be a client. Chris doesn't want to let her borrow his car, and he kind of has the hots for her, so he offers to drive, although for some reason, Thorne's wealthy Brazilian sibling clients invite themselves along for the Atlantic City excursion. Chris, where are we going? We're going to Atlantic City, Fausto. Get in the trunk. Good, good. We can see the Taj Mahal. I love it. <laughs> I hear they call it the ninth wonder of the world. Oh, we have the fifth in South America, oh. in Rio. Uh, the Christ of Corcovado. Hi, I'm Renalda. Hola, yo soy Diana. Ay, pero es que habla español, yo no lo puedo creer. This is my brother, Fausto. Chris, put this tape on. Let's chanca. On the drive, the Squirinizus... Can, I'm glad you were able to pronounce yes. that. The Squirinizus convince Chris to take a detour so that they can see the countryside. They end up in a place called Vulcanvania. While there, Chris runs a stop sign. And again, the Brazilians are to blame. Not like in general, but yeah. the specific Brazilians. These Squir- two Brazilians. Yes, are to blame as they convince Chris that it's a provincial cop and 
that Chris doesn't have to pull over and also that he can outrun them. They're caught through the aid of some tricks by the cop. Officer Dennis said he's willing to overlook the speeding and reckless evasion, but they must follow him to see 106-year-old judge Alvin Valkenheiser for the failure to stop at a stop sign. We meet the judge who frankly is a little scary. (laughs) He's nuts. The cop wants them to pay a fine and be on their way, but... Chris in a Chevy Chase sort of way and swears like literally uses profanity and he tries to light a cigar in court. The judge decides their case won't be heard until 4 p.m. the next day. So they're retained until then. They're let out of their cell they're holding to attend an interesting dinner with the Valkenheiser family. We find out that the judge has a huge grudge with bankers. Banker! Because his family got screwed in a bad cold deal. The Brazilians jump out the window to try and escape, and they make a deal with Dennis to escape. It looks like you need a nice couple of weeks holiday, you know? Nice. Time off from your job. You peeled the correct banana there. Leisure time. Kick back. Nice. Fish tacos. Quick, hide. Come on, it's my cousin. Come on. The original all-purpose ditch witch. But Chris and Diane are shown to their room. Chris and Diane try to escape and find that the property has all sorts of hidden hallways and rooms and slides. They get separated and Diane meets, what do we want to call them? The deformed Valkenheiser kids. I don't know what the hell they are. They're not allowed to go inside. They're forbidden from living inside the house. Hi, I'm Bobo. That's little devil. Hi, we're not allowed in the house. Meanwhile, the judge catches Chris snooping around, sees him putting his nose on, or taking it off rather, and is going to force him into marriage with the Valkenheiser daughter, Aldona. (laughs) It's because he touches her. Yes. So it's like he touches her, therefore she's his, he has to marry her. Has to. In exchange for keeping his life. But after the vows, when the judge sees him pleading with rap group Digital Underground to help him (laughs) escape, the judge sentences him to death via Mr. Bone Stripper. Digital Underground were there for a speeding ticket. Oh, it's just a union card, huh? What are you, mine workers? (laughs) Oh, man, man, we're musicians. We're a hip-hop band but let go because the judge was entertained by them after they were witnesses to the nuptials. When the means of execution, a deadly coaster named Mr. Bone Stripper breaks, Chris saves Diane from being chopped up by another device and they escape onto a nearby train. Back in Manhattan, they go to police. Chris and Diane accompany the police only to learn that the police are aligned with the judge. They escape again when underground coal fires cause an earthquake. The movie ends as Chris back in New York sees the judge on TV saying he's coming to New York to move in with his grandson-in-law. Chris flees in a Looney Tunes sort of way. Which is so nuts how he ends that. God. I mean, there's really not a lot to it. Yuppie get caught by a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre House of Thousand Corpses sort of family and then spend the entire movie trying to escape. It's a PG-13 comedy. It really is sort of terrifying and unnerving, but more in like a gross way. Yeah, I agree. So let's get to characters. Chevy Chase as Chris Thorne. As has been reported for most of his work, he was abusive and very difficult on set. No. He was very mean to Demi Moore and constantly harassed Aykroyd about how much more money he was making than Aykroyd while he was only starring and Aykroyd was directing and playing multiple roles. It got so bad that one crew member threatened to hit Chevy Chase with a brick (laughs) if he ever spoke to Aykroyd like that again. Fuck yeah, man. If Chevy Chase would have turned down the role, Rick Moranis was willing to accept. Interesting. Jeff Goldblum was also considered, but the studio said no due to what they perceived as lack of star power. Dan Aykroyd as Judge Alvin J.P. Valkenheiser, also as Bobo. Aykroyd won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor. John Candy as Officer Dennis Valkenheiser, Aldonia Valkenheiser. Demi Moore as Diane Leitzen. Leitzen. John Candy suggested Meg Ryan. Okay. But there was a scheduling issue because she was starring in Oliver Stone's The Doors. Coming off the success of Ghost, casting to me was a no-brainer. Taylor Negron as Fausto Squirinizu. Grammy. And who else do we want to mention? Daniel Baldwin's in here as a drug dealer. <laughs> it's random fucking 
Tupac in Digital Underground when yeah. he was still in Digital Underground. So which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Uh, to me, it's Dan Aykroyd. I think it's hands down. The yeah. role of Judge is so good. Yeah. Like he's literally falling apart. He doesn't have a leg. He doesn't have the skin of his nose, which is weird throughout this movie, I noticed. The tip of the nose skin, whatever they use, sometimes changes from scene to scene where it, it almost looks flushed and it doesn't look flushed and well, it's some different. In parts, it's supposed to look like a dick. Oh, is it On supposed purpose. to? Okay. Yeah, it literally is the head of a penis at times. But nothing beats it. And you know how much of a fan of hot dogs that I am, Kevin, as you know. Oh, no. Him eating a hot dog is oh. probably the most horror show thing I've ever seen in my well, life. I, I, Demi Moore is great. 1796, my forefathers established this sheet after the tenants of the old Shire Charter. Shire Charter? Excuse me, sir, that's pre-magna carta. I mean, serfdom and fiefdom stuff. Very good, young lady. <laughs> you know, you and I ought to spend a little more time together. Well, I'd, I'd like that. Would you? She is really Because, like, good. everybody else, like, Chevy Chase was mad to be there, and, like... John Candy's always awesome, yeah. but I, to me more, very professional, awesome. John Candy loves to dress up as a woman. Yeah. Armed and dangerous. He did it in this movie, and he did it in Who's Harry Crumb? Yep. Three movies well, in which he loves. I just saw some pictures. Don't address. I, I, I have a friend who is a big fan of John Candy, and there's uh, pictures where John Candy is dressed as Boy George. Really? There's a bunch of there's a bunch of pictures of John Candy in like in drag or in. Isn't it crazy that he died at 43? So sad. God damn it. It's so good. All right, let's move on to best scenes. Find out which scenes made a splash. Jim, you go first. The performance. In the judges, I guess, in the chambers, as you will, by Digital Underground. Yes, I have it too. Because the story behind this and how it happened is nuts. Because I looked it up. So Shock G did an interview, asked about this song. So the whole nuts and bolts, and I'm going to read it here verbatim. Dan Aykroyd, he's always had musicians in his movies. So Dan pops up at one of our shows, which Dan Aykroyd at a digital underground show. Yeah. Blows my mind right off the bat. But as we covered and we are the world, anything's possible with Dan Aykroyd. This is Midsummer, and the Humpty Dance came out. We're like hot as fuck right now. And the person to my left said, you want to spark a doobie? And I look over and the first thing I see is the little white twisted up old school blunt used to be a doobie, they called it. I look further to my left and I see the face holding it. And it was fucking Dan Aykroyd. Oh my God. He passed me the weed. I hit it and passed it back. We passed it around the room, and that's when they said, we got this movie thing. Are you kidding me? Anything you want to do, I'm such a huge fan. Aykroyd calls Shock G later to follow up saying, so we want to roll with you guys. There's a little scene in the movie. You guys play yourself and a song in the movie as well. There's an organ bit. Could there be an organ in it? And Shock G responds, no problem. What are we rapping about? He's like, nothing special, man. Just keep that same song. Just keep that same song you got, Aykroyd told him. He's like, I took it literally, adding, it was all rushed. All the good shit is rushed. So he took it literally, and he just made the song called Same, same song. song. Yeah. So that was the background of that song. And, of course, we see Tupac Shakur is the hype man for yeah, the very so first time. So literally the scene is a band coming through Vulcanvania, pulled over for speeding. The judge essentially asks them what they are. They say they're a group. He makes them set up their equipment and perform, which he joins in performs which with them. Which is awesome. It is. But we see young Tupac. This is only five and a half years before his murder. Yeah. He wasn't even a solo artist yet. What does that tell you how great he was? It's Yeah. He was still a Digital Underground member. And actually, the song performed, same song in this movie, was his rapping debut. So then nine months later, after this, Tupacalypse Now comes out, and his career went into the stratosphere for the next five years until he was shot and killed. What's this movie, man? My first best scene, or I guess it's a collection of scenes, it's Mr. Bone Stripper. Oh, I love it, man. I tell you what, there, I'll give you all your coke and your grinders and spoons and pots and guns and knives and all that back to you when you come out the other end. A 
car full of drug dealers a coaster are credit. brought in and uh, hearing the judge explain. They make fun of his appearance. Yeah, right they're, the they're like on drugs and they yeah. make fun of the judge and like he sentences them to death and yeah. they think it's like hilarious. They're laughing and he's just like casually like death. They cheer because they think they're on their way out. But the best piece of information about this movie, my favorite fact about this movie, it because we just talked about they spent five million dollars on, on toasters. Yeah. They bought a used roller coaster for fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> fucking love it. Fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> and it's barely a coaster. Yeah, this it's like one, a kitty coaster. And that scene, that whole part of it wasn't even added until the movie had started filming. Really? Because Aykroyd was just like asking people standing around on set, what other crazy ideas can we think of? And somebody was like, a roller coaster that kills people. And Perfect. they bought a fifteen thousand dollar roller coaster, turned it into Mr. Bone Stripper. With a theme song. Yeah, and we see it a few times. Yeah, it does have a theme yeah. song. I would love to have seen the interior part of Bone Stripper. Would have been really cool because somehow it removes skin. Yeah. And they come out just straight bone, which yeah. is great. So my next one is the dinner. Go ahead there, folks. Set yourself up a couple of dogs. The infamous yes. dinner. Who doesn't want to keep two prisoners caged up? Nobody wants to do that. Let's have a dinner. So he has this whole setup with a train that comes around the table. Which that train cost them, I want to say it was like $50,000 to engineer that table that has the dropout so the train can come out. Because again, someone on set was like, I went to this restaurant where the train carried the food around the restaurant. And Dan Aykroyd was like, I love that. So he made the set engineers build that train apparatus. And funny thing is, we covered Problem Child 2 yes. with Midnight Movie Podcast when we were guests. They had a, a restaurant with a train with food. It's got to be the same restaurant. <laughs> I mean, it cost him $50,000 to make that table. Yeah, because it, it somebody had, couldn't have done it cheaper. I, it might not have been that much, but it was it was a lot. Ah, oh, that scene is so good because Dan Aykroyd is just so gross. John Candy, not as Eldona, but plays it so straight, like straight to the cuff. Yeah, like it's so good at it's it. It's the cop who I guess is a, a clerk of the court. Yeah. Yeah. It's John Candy as Eldona. It's the judge. It's pretty. And then it's it's all the guests, the Brazilians. You people are sick, wicked, funky, misanthropic, codependent animals. And I won't have my sister, who is once the queen of the Mardi Gras, sitting at a table with a pickle shooting train. He's right. We gotta go. Hi. Fine. Oh. Come on, baby. And Chris and Diane. The Brazilians are the only ones that seem to make sense out of this whole thing. They're just disgusted yeah, by it. He's going to serve them some dogs, which are like <laughs> gray and floppy. They are the floppiest and, wet hot dog. And then what does he say? He says like. Here's how I like them. And I suggest you have them the same way. He suggests that they all eat their hot dog the way that he eats his. It must, yeah, mustard. Yeah. Get the mustard on no dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he eats the uh, way he eats that hot dog. Uh, he eats it like an old, like you go to anywhere that sells stuff like this and watch an old person eat. That's like, he nails it. Oh, big time. Not worthy of the Razzie. He's no. great. When Chris and Diane try to escape and explore the mansion. This way. Bathroom. Guano. Marjorie Vulcanheiser. She forgot the duck. moving and they find all the wacky stuff like moving walls yep. and like the, i think they open one room and it's just a a pile of bones it's like a scooby-doo sort of thing and yeah, there's a room full of bat shit yeah and then eventually it leads to a slides and yeah. they end up split each on a different slide and they get separated that's how diane ends up out in the uh junkyard chris ends up i think that's how he leads to watching the judge take off his nose and his leg so my next one is of course when we come across we meet bobo little devil yeah can't you hold that straight hey you're the one who's forging can't you even see I can see you're stupid. Oh, that's it. I am never looking for you in this foundry again. Never. Give me that. Go get a ball peen hammer. No. 
know the one that's round on here. I know the ball peen hammer's round. I still want to know what the hell these, I hate to say things, but what are they? Yeah, I have a logic for it. I'm assuming there's a toxic chemical release and somehow they were caught out. They're not allowed in the house. They're very elementary brain minded. Yeah. And they fight like they're five-year-old kids, but they love Diane. Yeah. I love that. It's a great scene. Makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) All right. Well, enough. Best scenes. Why don't we? I don't think there's a pool in this one. There's probably a toxic waste pool. Yeah, but the the judge can blow his whistle and everybody's got to get out of the pool. Everybody get out of the pool. We got hot dogs. Go to the concession stand, eat <laughs> hot dog the way I eat it. We're magic. Mount Rushmore. One movie each from the top four build actors in this movie. I'll be going in order. You don't have to. So Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Demi Moore. Okay. So that's how I'll go first. Okay. Chevy Chase, I believe his definitive role is Clark Griswold. So we'll go with 1983's National Lampoon Vacation, which led to European Vacation, Christmas Vacation, Vegas Vacation, as well as the Vacation Reboot. Not that bad. It's okay. I have Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold. So I waffled with Chevy because I'm like, I wanted, wanted, wanted to say Fletch. Yeah. But if it's not Clark Griswold, he's never Fletch. It's Clark W. Griswold. Yeah, I had two Caddyshack, yeah. Fletch, beyond Clark Griswold. But it's Clark Griswold. Yeah, I agree. Next, Dan Aykroyd, 1984's Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd actually has a pretty good he does. Uh, body of work, even better than Chevy Chase. But I, I got to go Ghostbusters. Once again, I kind of was in a three-movie mindset. Ghostbusters, of course. Blues Brothers, weirdly enough, Dr. Detroit. That I think gets enough love. But this is where I'm going to have to separate it a bit from you. I'm going to have to go with Blues Brothers. Because that was the one that got the notoriety from SNL. And I think it leads into Ghostbusters. So I'm going to go yeah, with that. Yeah, so I had alternatives. Blues Brothers, Dr. Detroit, Trading Places, Dragnet, My Girl, Coneheads. Ah, uh, Dragnet. Love Coneheads. Next, John Candy. <sighs> 1987 planes trains and automobiles as del griffith john candy was so awesome again jim mentioned unfortunately died at 43 years old which is crazy john candy's been in a lot of good movies and a lot of like duds yeah like i thought he was great in splash volume he plays like a bit part in so many movies that you forget you know he had his 10 or so whatever like awesome feature movies in little shop of horrors you know he plays a radio host he's in all these movies where he just plays like a little role. you forget he's in it like yeah. volunteers i thought he was great in volunteers i would have to go with a movie he was with with dan Aykroyd, the great outdoors yeah i think he's such a great his character is chet ripley it's such a great dichotomy where dan Aykroyd plays the rich brother-in-law that's never around until he needs money and then he's the working class guy growing up great outdoors was a multiple video rental for me from first row video so i'm gonna have to go with great Outdoors. i, I like playing strains automobiles because of the emotional range oh you cry i cry oh, every time man, i watch it crazy but i my honorable mentions for candy summer rental great outdoors oh we love it summer rental so good your coup yeah can we say that a bad baby y'all And then to me more, finally, last head on our Mount Rushmore. <sighs> we covered it. Yeah. Iconic role is Molly, ghost from 1990. So Demi Moore started becoming more of that sex symbol titular type character into the early to mid 90s, like disclosure, indecent proposal. But yeah, it has to be. It has to be ghost. How can it not? Because yeah. without ghost, there's no strip tease, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So honorable mentions for her. A few good men, indecent proposal, G.I. Jane. G.I. Jane. Yeah. Yeah. So slide a penny under the door. Uh, Rita Miller. Okay. So. So pretty straightforward. Let's get back in the Vulcanvania pool. Run! All right, critical question. This one's a little bit more straightforward than normal. After another rewatch, what's the verdict on nothing but trouble? Good, bad, would you recommend it? Okay, are we going from like a grind standpoint? Because we used to love grind. We watched it again after years like this fucking horrible movie. Yeah. This movie does not deserve the hate that it got from like the Razzies and shit like that. Yeah, I don't no. get it. We've we have seen horrible movies. Yes. 
even just what we covered on this podcast are just horrendous. I like this movie the same as I did the first time I saw it. And I was younger and I'm like, this is fucking wacky, but I enjoy it's, it. I love stuff like this. So, I mean, put it in the vein of the Burbs, Beetlejuice, kind of like a comedy with like a spooky element to it. Yeah. I will say it's, it's worse than... I used to watch it on cable all the time. I loved yeah. it. I used to watch it all the time. I thought it was like hilarious. I thought it was like really like a lot of funny and cool imagery. And I would say now I would recommend it. Yeah. But I would say it hasn't aged well for me. Now, give me the R-rated cut or give me the uh, the cut that Dan Aykroyd originally intended, which to him, he said it'll always be Vulcanvania. And maybe give me Rick Moranis instead of Chevy Chase. Yeah, I would like to see that. That would have been so good. I wonder... If the movie went the direction it did, because they're just like, you know, Chevy I think Chase, it did. I'm just, I'm over it. Let's just I think it did. It. I think there are notes where it's like Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase, you know, which we'll get to some difficult actors here in a, in a few minutes. When we get to the final lap, we're going to talk difficult actors. But, yeah, we got uh, a couple. A difficult person in general is going to lead us into our logic section. It's David McCall. Hey, you got a problem with me there, Judge? You got a fucking problem? I'm going to kill you too, bitch. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. How I ate my hot dogs? I ate my hot dog with a uh, barbecue, okay? Nicole forever. Logic, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Why does Alvin Valkenheiser's nose turn into a dick? <laughs> There's no explanation. No. Like, at dinner is the best time to notice it. Chris looks up. Notice that Alvin J.P. Valkenheiser's nose is a penis. For just a second, he kind of shakes it off and looks down, and then it's not. Let's say, Why? <laughs> Why? Exactly. Why is his nose turned into a dick? Okay, is there a nefarious thought that he could have taken the literal tip of a dick out of Bone Stripper and put it on his nose as a joke, as a party favor? Yes, it could be. That's but the they don't explain it. Yeah. I would have been fine with that if he's like, ah, I found a dick and I put it on my face. <laughs> Your dick? Yeah. <laughs> Mustard. <laughs> But like I said earlier, too, the whole logic about Mr. Bone Stripper. So they're conveyed into this device yes. that has cut up cans, like soup cans, which right. we are led to believe strip entire skin and I organs, which I love. Not only s- s- strip skin and organs, but somehow like bleach the bones clean. And because it some- spits out a perfectly clean bone like a set of bones on the other side but then i would love to have seen just the scene like where chris gets thrown in but then the power gets cut yeah he still goes through there just a scene of him looking around going jesus fuck 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 Mm -hmm. you know because we got to see that when he went down to the slides and he's seeing all this shit from alvin where does all the guts and stuff go i want to know does bobo and little devil eat him it's possible speaking of bobo and little devil the brothers who live in the junkyard they're not human no, they're not. They're creatures. Even though like Alvin can take his nose off, still human. The Junkyard Brothers are straight up monsters. They look like the living version of the hot dogs that are served at dinner. They're like shaped like water balloons. They they have like a diaper on. It's distended abdomens. It's and, so weird. They're like, they're creatures. Yeah. I mean, well, they why? have like literal cone heads. Yeah. It makes no sense. They're like enormous too. Yeah. They're but, like, but they're so kind hearted. They're oh, yeah. not evil. And they love Diane. Yeah. She uh, uses that to her advantage. She does. How is it possible for a house, the Shire Reeves house, the, the mansion or whatever, how is it possible to a house that old that's built on top of a coal fire? I remember doing research on Centralia in Pennsylvania. Yeah. That whole town got abandoned because there's been a coal fire since yes. 1962. Right. There's vents everywhere. It's not dangerous. The land is very unstable. How are they able to do all this stuff to a rundown house where the judge's table comes out of the wall? He goes up and down. All this stuff is able to do to a house that should not be able to be done to. Yes. It's very structurally unstable. The, the house trick house. Yes. It's weird. What's in it for the cops to be aligned with Alvin? Not a damn thing because they're not even in the same state. Right. I mean, even if we look past Manhattan cops having any connection to Vulcanvania, he's broke. He's not buying them off. He doesn't have the money to buy the cops off. What service is he offering them? How can a guy at 106 years of age still function? His body's falling apart. I I just don't. They're like, Evening, troopers. Can't go too far in this part of the world without running across my friends. <laughs> Alvin is something, isn't he? 
Of course, we can admit that we appreciate the way he gets things done. Hi, Judge! It's all of his kids, for I Christ's sake. I don't understand I, any of that. Only thing I can think of when it relates to that is that somehow, some way, the nefarious criminals that they have to deal with, if he pushes them off to the judge and he kills them in Bone Stripper, they can literally just wash their maybe, hands. Maybe, maybe that's it. That's the only thing I can think yeah. of. You got any more? Yeah, I do. Jimmy Hoffa apparently was a victim at Falkenheiser Mansion. Yep. Jimmy Hoffa still missing. Here's his ID. Chris and Diane, when they're going through the hidden rooms, they find a room with a number of people's IDs everywhere. IDs everywhere that were uh, basically all bankers. Pretty much. Find out what happened to bankers. But Jimmy Hoffa, there's where his body was. The Looney Tunes ending ruins everything. I hate it. I see one of the village residents rummaging through the remains. Excuse me, sir. How do you feel now that you have lost everything? At least we all got out alive, of course. There's nothing left for us here now, so we're all planning to move in with my grandson-in-law. Oh, no. He lives in New York City. Oh, come on, what? No, what? See you soon, banker. No, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, you won't. Chris literally runs through a wall, leaves an outline of his body. It's so fucking stupid. It's the worst part of the movie by a wide margin. And if you read, they were out of money. They needed a cheap ending. This was the best that they could come up with. No one was happy with it. Wouldn't it have been cheaper if they didn't do a jump through the fucking wall? Probably. Just, okay, just him screaming like, Well, nah. there you go. Yes. Why did he have to jump Fade through the wall? Fade to black. Yeah. He sees Judge on the TV say, I'm coming to live with my grandson-in-law. Fade to black. Exactly. That's all you need Doesn't to need do. Doesn't need to uh, run through the wall. Really, Not at all. Really, really bad. I also, more so when I was growing up, I thought that the Brazilians were, I didn't think they were siblings. I thought they were a couple. Yeah. But why does Chris listen to anything they say? It makes no sense. When they show up. He hates them. He hates them. When they show up to ride with him and Diane to Atlantic City, why doesn't he leave without them? Why doesn't he tell them no? He could have kept driving. Yes. He, all of this is because of them. Yeah. And then they're like the worst foil. They're really like lazy part of this movie. He hates them, but lets them come. They get him into this mess by detouring him through Vulcanvania. And then as soon as they do get in trouble, nothing but trouble, they jump out and they just get to escape. Officer Dennis is like, go, go, go. And the next time we see him, they're in Rio. Yes. And that he is the head of security. And now he's hooked up with the sister. Yeah. I Fausto. <laughs> that was the most adventurous weekend of my entire life. When I think about what happened in Balkanbania, I would do it again. <laughs> Not me. I was like James Bond. Don't worry, Dennis. Now that you are ahead of our personal security, my lover. <laughs> Dude, your life's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> and don't you worry. No one's gonna touch you or my little Flora de la Luna. Ooh. I agree with you for the longest time. I thought they were yeah, a couple. right. And then at the end, I'm like, this is a fucking weird three. Yeah. So I'm like, what the hell? John Candy's in on this? What's the legacy of this movie? Uh, Dan Aykroyd never got another chance to direct because it bombed so bad. It ruined his reputation. He always wanted another opportunity to direct and no one would let him because of he had nothing but trouble on his resume, which uh, is sad because he tried to get other people to direct and they all said no, which fucking sucks. It does. And it, I think Chevy Chase really screwed him on that big time. He did. Yeah. I, and how are they even like, did they ever speak again? Because like every movie we've covered with Chevy Chase. Castle. I mean, uh, not Castle. I almost said Castle. Castle yeah. yeah, he was in Castlevania. He's a Castlevania movie. Caddyshack 2, they were in it together. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if he held a grudge over him over Caddyshack 2 and brought it on to this movie because I'm pretty sure this was the next movie it's after like they did. Every, every movie that Chevy Chase has been in, we find out he's like never talked to so-and-so again almost every time. So you wonder. I, it just it sucks that Chevy Chase sabotaged it. I mean, look at Community. He sabotaged that. Yeah, it's just, it's it's sad. A real yeah. kick to the balls, because I would love to have seen another Dan Aykroyd-directed movie and had him but do it his way. Thankfully, it is a cult hit it of is. sorts. There's a lot of people who were like, actually, it was a really fun movie. I really liked that movie. And so at least there's that, because Dan Aykroyd said, like, people come up to him all the time and tell him they like it. Yeah. And he's like, it's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. So, but it's funny that it's in a way forever linked with Bonfire of the Vanities uh, because is, oh, man. Warner Brothers, man, they took a bath because oh. they did. What are the combined budgets like? It's like it combined 80 million and they brought in like 15 million yeah. or something. It's crazy. It's embarrassing. All right. Stick around for some plugs. Yo, from my home studio, it's Ricky and D. Now my man, Rick, a serious burger lover, is doing a blind taste test of McDonald's new McLean Deluxe Sandwich. You man, the taste is 
second one. Boom. McDonald's is the only one with this 91% fat-free lean beef Wait, fat. Wait, hold up. 91% fat-free? No, nah, man. Straight up. The taste is kicking. And it's a serious value. The new McLean Deluxe. 100% death. On taste. On taste. Word up. McDonald's today. Bart has a job. The sludge suddenly collects donuts. My old sludge, you old bat. Catch an all-new Simpsons. Ow. Then, Brenda and Brandon's friends are throwing them a surprise party. And you'll never guess why. We're going back to Minneapolis. Minneapolis? Brandon's getting a present he'll never forget. I want goodbye to be a moment we both remember. But before their last goodbye, there's a secret that has to come out. An all-new 90210 Thursday. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Hey, final lap guy. After uh, you do your thing, get yourself a hot dog. Yeah! The final lap! So, Jim, uh, big pool scene podcast adjacent news. Okay. Justin Lin stepped down from directing Fast and Furious sequel, Fast X. I'm pissed. So, he's directed five movies thus far. Yeah. And uh, was going to direct the final uh, sequel installment. He started doing stuff already. Uh, Reportedly due to a disagreement with Vin Diesel. (laughs) The Rock won't come back because of Vin Diesel. We've heard in the past Vin Diesel was very difficult. Maybe not in a a Chevy Chase, but sort of way, but maybe. Apparently, Vin pulled the Hulk Hogan creative control card when it came to Toretto. And apparently, Justin Lin, in his version of the script, wanted to do something to the Toretto character and Dom V it and i guess they got into a heated discussion over it and justin lynn said well, i'm out i sent you that video yeah from, uh, i don't know if it's tiktok instagram something and you see vin diesel kind of being an asshole and he's kind of got a smirk on his face and you got justin lynn just sitting there on the ground and vin's like how's it going justin and and he's like oh off to a wonderful start and he almost you can hear almost yeah. the sarcasm in his voice and he's like yep making a fantastic movie and then it was like within 24 hours of that it was announced he slammed the door they had a meeting with producers and vin diesel and everybody uh the executives on the film or whatever and it left with justin lynn slamming the door in anger and walking out staying on as producer because you yeah you you want to be attached to the cash cow so what do we think that justin lynn was gonna do to the dom toretto character reading more he kind of unloaded a bit kind of got shit off his chest basically saying, you know, it's getting pretty old that, you know, when this movie is going to start filming, Vin Diesel shows up out of weight, looking horrible. I, what I think he wanted to do because they're breaking, they're still breaking 10 into two parts. Is that what they're going to do? I think he wanted to kill off Dom. I, I don't. I think he did. And Vin's like, you can't have Dom Toretto die. That's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking more and more they're going to somehow do the thing they did at the end of Furious 7 and have Brian in this movie using his brother's body again. I think that's what they're going into See, I again. was trying I'm trying to predict what I think the story's going to be and you stuff. You think it's going to be more grounded? Somebody said they should get back to just street racing for the last to end ones. it, which I'd be fine That'd with. That'd be kind of cool. They've gone to space. I yeah, mean, come on. But like you bring Brian back, how, you know, does that play off with Dom? I don't think they were going to kill Dom. I just think about the lengths they go for Vin Diesel in these movies though because like they shoot him to make him look taller yeah his guns get their own sound effect which i pointed out to you before if you listen to his guns versus other like everybody else's guns are like pew 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 and vinny's yeah like boom boom gun and uh and he can't he won't lose a fight that's he's not allowed to lose a fight they do all these things for this character and i wonder if it was just something like very minute just kind of like we want you to because if vin diesel didn't disagree with the character gone evil where he goes evil what is that an eight that's fate of the furious yeah that's yeah eight. in eight he goes 
evil. If he didn't like object to that, I'm like, what possibly? That's dumb. Eight's like maybe the it's, worst movie. It's pretty bad. Because it's like you do an evil Dom story arc. So I'm like, what could have it been that was enough for Justin Lin to say, I'm done? It, it might have been something stupid. It, it might have been. been like, I don't wear white shirts. I only wear black shirts, you know? And he's like, all right, I'm done. What people need to remember, Vin Diesel, I think is like 55. Yeah. He's not getting any younger. He's an old dude. It's Mark Sinclair. And if you look at some of these pictures of him, he looks like old Uncle Vin with the the beer gut. Yeah. He's out of shape. They can, like, they're doing everything in their power to help this guy. It's like, what else do you want him to do? I mean, come so, on. So it's like maybe it was just a situation where it was straw that broke the camel's back. Had to have been. All right. The next thing I have, I tried to buy some today. I couldn't find it. Coca-Cola Bite. So they just did the Star Jizz, Star Grease. <laughs> Starlight. Star Goo. Tastes like space. Tastes like space. So Where's, now. What the fuck does that even mean? They have Coca-Cola Zero Sugar Bite, which is supposed to taste like pixels. Who the fuck knows what a pixel tastes like? It, it's like a, to me, it's like a, you know, pardon the pun, but it's like a, a marketing campaign that fell flat. Yeah. Because it's like, all right, we've done everything we can do with soda. We've added every flavor we can add. We're going to start making like fictional sodas. This one tastes like, this one tastes like cement dust. Like what? Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. I just, so bite is supposed to taste like pixels. We're right. going to have to try to figure out what that is. Uh, why do they got to do gimmicky shit like that? Just like, I, I want Coca-Cola trash juice. Yeah. I want the fucking taste of a garbage can. Right. Because Starlight, let me tell you, I tried one of it. Not that great. It. I don't understand how that was space. Space is empty. It's not supposed to taste like anything. It was well, horrible. Isn't it raspberry because... I guess. There's like a whole... Yeah. I mean, there's a like a hue to it. There's a tint of red to it. I don't know. I finally watched the Batman recovering from the, the stomach flu. I will have to say that Robert Pattinson is now my third favorite Batman behind Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer. Goes ahead of Adam West. I really enjoyed the movie. It was three hours long, so you kind of have to plan ahead for a three-hour long movie. But to me, there was enough going on where I didn't get lost in the minutia of a three-hour movie. You know, without giving too many spoilers, I will say I felt it heading into hour three. Okay. Because I felt like there was this natural moment where you felt the wind down, but then at the uh, arena, the uh, Gotham Square Garden. (laughs) Yeah. That whole scene. Yeah. I'm just kind of like... Let's, let's wrap it up. I felt like that was past the point. And I liked it. I liked the, everything about the movie, whatever. But I felt a natural moment where I was like, okay, the movie's winding down. And then it didn't. It didn't. But I will say I loved the dark take on it. I loved the guy who played Riddler. I thought he was amazing. I was like, what do I know him from? He's clits from the girl next door. Yeah, he's awesome. Paul Dano. Really good. Most known for There Will Be Blood. I've never seen it, but yeah, I know if I'm from that. He's incredible. But what I learned today from a work colleague that I was unaware that this is the Batman of Earth 2. I had no idea... I was like, he has to be a multiverse Batman. He's like, yeah, he's from Earth 2. I didn't know that. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because in comic lore, Earth 2 is a more darker, serious stoned Earth. Okay. So I loved it. But like what you brought up, if they go to a Mr. Freeze, I would love to see a serious Mr. Freeze. Well, this, not really a spoiler either. So they have a character who is a journalist intent on exposing the Wayne family. Yeah. His last name is the same as the character Hush. So they think that maybe a child of that reporter wants revenge on the Wayne family. Maybe we get Hush. Yeah. Because we've never had a live action version of Hush. You know, he's been in in cartoons and animated movies and stuff, but would be great. The stinger was interesting after the credit roll. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give that away, but that was very interesting. I just loved it. It was the way Batman should be. It's a dark Batman. Yeah. But like I said, I'm interested in, well, who knows about Flashpoint now? Because Ezra Miller's a fucking nut. So arrested second time. God damn this fucking guy. Just make Grant Gustin the Flash. He is the Flash. Just transport him into the movies. Come on. Interesting journey today. As you know, my girlfriend collects Care Bear stuff. Alta Beauty. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know, well, you but know. I don't think the audience no, knows. No, she's a big Care Bear aficionado. So it's the 40th anniversary of Care Bears. And Wet n' Wild makeup, I've never heard of it until recently. Wild and Crazy Kids? I wish. Omar Gooding. Donnie Jeffco. And then the girl, Jessica something. Dumping I beans off of Crane. What wild and crazy? What wild and crazy? I loved it. <laughs> 
But the thing I didn't love was walking into the Ulta beauty store today because I haven't felt so uncomfortable in my life. And I stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, I don't fucking even know what a wet and wild is. I have no idea. This person was working there. Dude was very nice. He's like, you're out of place, aren't you? I'm like, incredibly. He's like, what are you looking for? I'm like, got Care Bear shit here. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm looking for. And he's like, it's right over here. Let me help you. Found the Care Bear stuff. Got her some lip gloss. Or if I've heard people call lip gloss, lip gloss. Found her some lip gloss. And uh, that was funny because the girl at the register was laughing. I was like, I, I. Yeah, I don't have a rewards card. I'm sorry. I don't have my Ulta Beauty rewards card on me. That was a um, a fun, fun little trip for me. And then, Kevin, we also learned that Amber Heard likes to take a dump in bed. Boy, she's a nut. <laughs> that wow. Whole, that is a circus. That's I, unbelievable. I sent one of our friends a link. My favorite moment in the trial was the lawyer who, Amber Heard's lawyer, who very well may be incompetent. <laughs> it's horribly incompetent. He was reading all these texts and stuff to Johnny Depp. I have a uh, like a super cut on my phone and he says uh you poured yourself a mega pint of wine and johnny depp goes a mega pint <laughs> it's just so funny but didn't her lawyer also object to his own testimony yeah. and you see johnny depp just laughing his ass yeah, off it's like a lot of moments of johnny depp laughing and then they took a zoom call from the driver while he was ripping a vape yeah. while he was driving yeah, right like, what is and you just see johnny depp laughing his yeah, ass it, off because the dude's blowing like the dragon yeah out of his nose and stuff but boy it's come across like okay she was the one that did the abuse here because you find out like johnny depp lost out on like 50 million plus dollars yeah. because of just the caterer yeah, pirates, pirates of the caribbean There's, holy it's a big shit. petition to remove her from aquaman 2 didn't she didn't he already shit can her or no uh, or? i don't know and then i never thought kevin nash big sexy wwe hall of famer wcw uh, alumni we've talked about yes uh, you know it, it never thought he would be brought up because apparently she went to the magic mike xxl rap party and she never came home and he was like texting her about it and then there's all these photos of her sitting on kevin nash's lap you think they might have no no but it's just yeah in a court case you know when you're what when you're is it his wife girlfriend supposed to come home and you see pictures of her sitting on another man's lap <laughs> kevin nash uh, kevin nash of all people the lumberer yeah <laughs> oh, it's the great powerful fitty vegas <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Master Blaster 2. Yep. He blasted. Super Shredder. That's right. All right. So next week. We've hit it. Episode 100. We're not going to tell you what it is. You're just going to have to press play. You're going to have to. And find out. If you haven't figured it out, we've been dropping hints. Throughout the years. Throughout 99 episodes <laughs> now. Yeah. So you should be able to kind of figure it out maybe. Episode 100. We're, we're happy. We're going to have a party. Spectacular. We're going to do Spinal. Yeah, you said spectacular. Just made me think of Mike Tyson. Final, final. I Cold broke my back. My back is broken. It's Cold Stone. Cold Stone. Yeah. So yeah, you're just gonna have to hit play, find out what it is. We're gonna do things a little differently. I mean, sort of like a regular episode, I think, but with some. Uh, it's a spectacular some added pizzazz. The spectacular. Yes. Until next week for episode 100, Silencia.
the freaky dicky, the squeaky wicky up and down. Well, as a matter of fact, I'll be right back. I gotta take a licky. So I'm draining, entertaining. But I got fame and the bases I touch. Too much for me to try to be naming. Hey, yo, he saw me on cable and grip. I busted in and I was going with the win. Like Clark Gable back in Oakland. It's the same old song. It's Morty Shorty, same freckles and hat, drinking the same Ford. Hypothetical, political, lyrical, miracle whip. Just like butter. My rhymes are legit, cause I'm a Humpty. Not Humpty Dumpty, but Humpty Hump. Here a hump, there a hump, everywhere I'm Humpty Hump. Shut up and just listen. Not this and don't get me wrong. But to me, it's just the same old song. So just watch, cause my name is Shock. I like to rock and you can't stop this. Tupac, go ahead and rock this. Now I clown around when I hang around with the underground. Girls used to frown, say I'm down when I come around. Gas me and when they pass me, they used to diss me. Harass me, but now they ask me if they can kiss me. Get to fame, people change, wanna live their life high. Same song, can't go wrong if I play the nice guy. Claiming fame must have changed now that we became strong. I remain still the Why same, too? cause it's the same song. And all I'm wearing, it's the same song. Song. 